I was financially prepared by living a simple lifestyle and not getting caught up in thinking about how much money I made and then what I could do to spend it all. I lived in New York City for 14 years and I had a roommate for 13 of them. I had a roommate up till I was 38. Two things stand out about that conversation and about that kind of pivotal moment for me. That's something that I, that I really strive to hold on to and preserve as long as I can. It was something else that I hadn't thought of. I can travel for weeks or months or even a year with just that backpack. Short answer is love. Welcome to the Nomastro Planner Show. I'm your host, Gia Marushka, and in today's episode, I sat down with Brian Gallagher, who shared his inspiring journey from being laid off to opening his fitness studio in New York and moving across the pond into Netherlands, Amsterdam. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Gabe. Honored to be here, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure to have you. Could you please briefly introduce yourself to our listeners and sharing a bit about your background and current projects that you're working on? Sure. My name is Brian Gallagher and my brand or my business is called Simple Man Guide. It started off as a wellness brand about five or six years ago and has transitioned into coaching because as I was out in the world kind of sharing my fitness content, I started to get more questions about my lifestyle and what I was doing for work. And that's when the light bulb went off for me that I could help people do exactly what I did. And that's transition from kind of the default path that at least Americans all kind of follow, going to school, working a corporate job, and then breaking out and doing something completely on my own that was completely different. And when I was sharing fitness content, I realized that I could help people do that fitness-related stuff, but I realized I think I had more to share and a more effective way to help people get exactly what they want out of their life. And that's what I do now. I'm a coach, and I call myself the corporate escape coach, so basically helping people leave the corporate world and find something that's more fulfilling for them and live life on their terms. Man, thanks for sharing that. I definitely can relate. I left corporate life 13 years ago. So yeah, oh, no look back. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm nine now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, your personal transformation seems to be a significant part of your journey. Can you share that pivotal moment that made you and change your direction after you left the corporate or before that? What was your that thing that made you took this leap? I got fired. Short answer is I got fired, but I had something in the works prior. So I was in investment banking at the time. This is back in 2013. I had a friend, a former colleague, actually, he worked with me at this bank, my good friend, Ryan. He asked me to go to lunch with him one day and he, I didn't know what he wanted to do. Just let's kind of hang out. And he asked me, I got a, I got an idea for a fitness studio. Do you want to work on it with me? And I was like, absolutely. Cause I've been having feelings about wanting to work for myself. And I've loved fitness since the age of 13. And when this opportunity came about, I was mentally prepared. I was financially prepared. So it was like, yeah, I want to do it. I had a date quit. I had a date in mind to quit. It was after my bonus check was supposed to hit my bank account. I was going to march into the office and tell them I was leaving. But they had ever they had other plans and they let me go about 10 days before. I was out just slightly earlier than I had planned, but we got our fitness studio up and running at that time. And this was early 2014, right about now, actually. In 2014, I got let go on February 20th, and that gave us about five or six weeks to get our studio prepared for our April 1st launch. So around this time in 2014, I was kind of building out a fitness studio to start my 
my uh, post-corporate life. Wow, that's something. And what a thing, like to prepare to live and in the same time, 10 days prior to that, to be fired. That's something. But yeah, life life works wonders sometimes. And I'm curious about something, about the conversation that you actually had with your friend. Because I feel like this type of conversation can hold some really gold nuggets when it comes to putting ideas together and turning one idea into something, a business. Can you share that if it's not too personal? No, of course not. So I remember some of it, but the thing I remember the most that was, so two things stand out about that conversation and about that kind of pivotal moment for me. One was that we could build this while still at our corporate job. So it wasn't like, okay, I have an idea. I need to quit and work on this. We were in a pretty stressful career too. We were in investment banking. We worked a lot of hours. And the fact that we were able to find the time and make the time to kind of work on this thing on the side is something that always sticks in my head because you can still keep your corporate job and have that pay the bills while you're working on your next move. So that was really important for me to remember and also transition and help my clients think through the same thing. If you're unhappy in a position, there are things you can do right now, which I will share in my 24-hour challenge that we have coming up that I've prepared. But there are things you can do right now to help you start taking those little steps. The second thing was the fact that our plan was only was very basic and vague, but specific at the same time. And the main objective was, is, hey, we're going to take these little steps and we're going to keep working on this thing until something tells us that we have to stop. It won't work. Either our jobs became too overbearing, we found some important information out in the market, somebody else was doing the exact thing, same thing we wanted to do. And it was like, until we hit a complete dead stop wall, we were to keep going. We did that and we started off subletting space from somebody else to kind of test our classes. We ended up selling out all those classes and then we signed up and signed a lease for a studio. So then we knew it was like, wow, we went all the way from work on this until something tells you to stop. And now we have our own studio space that we have to figure out how to market and run and operate and all this kind of stuff. Those two things were the things that stick out. Thanks for sharing that. Those are important lessons there. And especially after that, coming in the context of you getting fired, how that puts things into perspective? Of course, you already have the plan to quit, but still being laid off from a secure job, it's something that a lot of people don't realize that, okay, a job is not that secure, actually. And how that puts things in perspective? Sorry. Yeah, it's also one of the things that, that I help to kind of bring to the forefront for people because I feel like it's a misconception. Do think it's starting to change, though? I think this it was a misconception maybe years ago when I first started going out. It was like, the corporate route was the safe route. And it's there's still some major thoughts around this. But as happened to me, and I know has happened to countless other people, especially in the last six months, that you are literally only two words away from that safety net completely disappearing. And as much as I received the severance, three months of salary, I received part of my bonus that I was due to receive. But I would say I didn't know that was going to happen until the morning I went into the office. Like it was like, I had about, I went to lunch. I remember this too. The day that it happened, I went to lunch with a friend of mine who was the same level, same role as me. We were both VPs in this investment bank. And I remember going to lunch with her and I'm like, I'm 75% sure I'm getting let go today. And she was like, I kind of feel the same. It was just like things starting to brew. We didn't have any definite like news or information that that was going to happen. 
but we just had a feeling because of just the way that the review process runs in the investment banking world. It's kind of like the talk of the office for a few weeks. You get a schedule, you know when it's going to happen, you know when your date is. I didn't know any of that stuff until a couple of days before, which I thought was weird. I had been there for nine years and every year was the same except for that one. And I was like, something's off. And so the fact that it was only, I only had a couple hours notice. I mean, fortunately for me, I had a plan, fully baked plan. I was ready to go. But if you're not in that position and you don't have something that you're working on or you don't have the financial standing or security that you could need to find something else, it could be quite a dramatic thing. Yeah, definitely. And can have a huge effect on all your career and life if you're not prepared. And in your case, being prepared and jumping in this business, how that evolved? And are you still running it or? Yeah, so it, it evolved quite a bit. I mean, we were running a a store, basically, a brick and mortar fitness studio in New York City. We came about at a right time, like the New York City kind of group fitness scene really exploded in like 2000, I would say 2015. And we came about in early 2014. So it's slightly ahead. There were only a few studios out when we had started, but it really exploded in the following couple of years. And, and there was a number of reasons for that part. One of them being ClassPass, which was like a major aggregator for fitness studios, was really coming into its own then. And we saw some trends kind of that we didn't like. So we started to kind of figure out what else we can do. One of the opportunities that came to us was running these private events for groups, ironically enough, for offices, <laughs> like building corp doing corporate team building events for office, which seemed weird coming from someone like me who's like, may come off as anti-corporate, which I'm not. But our business now, which has fully evolved, we closed the studio almost six years ago now in 2017. But what we still do today is host these corporate team building events. It's something that was that grew out of our class environment. We just had some, we had a bunch of corporate employees have a commitment. Of course, we're based in the middle of New York City. So a lot of our clients were office workers and our class was really fun and game-based. So people would come in and say, oh, I think this could be a fun team event for my group within my office. And we used to run these in the studio for 15 to 20 people. They'd rent out, basically rent out a class. Well, then <laughs> we had this one company that called us and we're like, <clears throat> excuse me, we want you guys to host an event for us. And we're like, oh, cool. When, how many people? And they're like, we have 120. And I'm on the phone and I'm like, over to Ryan, I'm like, 120 people, what the hell do we do? We were just like, just say yes and we'll figure it out. We're like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. And we ended up finding an outdoor space to host this event. And now almost all of our events are outside and our business is still running in this capacity, just corporate events, no fitness classes anymore. We don't run any, we don't have a studio. We don't have a space. We do everything outdoors. And it's kind of expanded from just New York City. Now we do events all across the country. And I mean, if you name a major company that's headquartered in New York City, there's a 90% chance we've run an event for them. So it's really kind of, it's really kind of done well over the past couple of years. And a lot of it's now inbound. Like we've done a lot of events for people and people have kind of caught word and we, got, we get a lot of requests to run these events for companies now, which is great. I've stepped aside a bit, quite a bit, because I moved to Amsterdam. I, my, my interest in the business and the corporate events, it kind of waned after we closed the fitness side. I was really into the fitness part, and my partner and I have had conversations about this. And 
our agreement now is I'm kind of out. I help still and I still own a percentage, but it's way different than it was when him and I were like teaching all the classes basically next to each other. So the business has evolved quite a bit, but it's actually still going. So it's, I mean, 2014, yeah, I mean, nine years, it's been a thing. So I didn't, you know what, man? I didn't even really think of that until just now that it's been like incorporated for nine years. I didn't, it didn't really click. I don't know why, but. Because I haven't been doing anything for it in a long time. But yeah, it's still running. It's evolved quite a bit, but it's still running. I love the fact that you guys didn't say no and just accept that thing that you had no idea how you sort it out, but you figure out. And that's the thing to be open to opportunities. And the way the thing pivoted from like a studio to actually doing corporate and like expanding all over the country. And after that, you moving across the pond. And speaking of that, why did you choose to leave America for Europe and to there was a particular reason or? Yeah. So short answer is love. My girlfriend got a job in Amsterdam. So I decided to come here permanently or as long as she needs to be here. But the other, but the longer answer that was kind of brewing before I met her, I wanted to try something different. Living abroad in some place for longer than six months has always been kind of a bucket list item for me. And I lived in New York City for a really long time. I was there 14 years. And I think out of that just came, and if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have said to you that I'll never leave New York City. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to spend my life. I love it here. But the things that drew me to New York City when I was 25 are the same things that repelled me at 35. So I wanted to try something different. I wanted something a little slower. I grew a little tired of the hustle bustle energy and I wanted something to I wanted something that was a little slower paced, honestly. I still like working. I work every single day, literally every single day whether it's for an hour or five hours or seven hours. I work every day. I love what I do now. And it's kind of hard for me to step away. So it's not that I didn't want to work anymore. It's just that I didn't want to feel that need that like everyone was always busy and rushing somewhere. Like I didn't want that anymore. And now I feel if I'm busy and my calendar's too booked, I messed up somewhere. I don't want to be rushed. I don't want to be super busy. I want to work at my own pace wherever I want in the world for as long as I want or as short as I want with whoever I want. And that's kind of the way I view my life now, where my past jobs, I couldn't do that with any of them. I had two corporate jobs, even the fitness studio. It was still, I still needed to be somewhere. I still had to be in New York City. I still had to operate a certain set number of hours because that's when we ran classes. It was like there was no flexibility for me. Whereas now, if I have something to do in the afternoon, I'll work in the morning from 7 until 11 and then go do what I have to do. Or if I want to take a day off, I'll take a day off and do nothing. But it's rare that I do nothing. And I just like the flexibility that allows me to just do it when I want to do it and from anywhere I want. That's kind of what I wanted at this point in my life. That's a wonderful thing to have that freedom to be able to actually make your own schedule to wherever as you mentioned like you work every single day but you enjoy it and yeah. you don't work a straight nine to five and after that you end up home exhausted or something and speaking of this of course having a fitness studio and yeah, i follow you for a bit and i know that you're quite into exercising and sports and maintaining a fitness level What's your favorite way to maintain this, this approach? Because working every single day, even that it's one hour, it's still kind of work. How did you involve fitness inside of it in order to maintain a health level of energy and such? My favorite transition that I've made myself within fitness has been shifting to working out outdoors. 
I absolutely love it. It was for a number of reasons. Being outside has just always been something that I loved. I mean, getting some sunshine and finding new areas around you. Part of it, the reason why I shifted to this, because when I started traveling, I didn't want to have to stress about finding a gym. And I was interested in finding unique things to use for my workouts. Again, that was the real, that was, it's kind of how I indirectly fell into coaching by just kind of chasing my curiosity and my desire to go find cool spots to work out and share content about it. I mean, it's literally how I kind of stumbled into coaching and I still have that desire to do that. I mean, now it's, I have days, I was just talking to my girlfriend about this morning. Like I have days where I feel a little like I've been focused on other things and I haven't been working out outside as much. I bought dumbbells. Now I've been working out in my apartment, but I really feel that the fitness part has been incredibly important for me for a number of years now. I mean, next year, honestly, will be 30 30 years since I've been working. I started working out. So it's become a real kind of lifestyle element for me, not only for the physical, but for the mental. It's like the, the, the high that you get from doing that and the, the confidence it gave me in so many aspects of my life for so many years just really solidifies the fact that it needs to be a part of my life. And even as you age older than me, I'm talking about 50s, 60s, 70s, I feel that the people that stay active are the ones that are still sharp and are still wanting to do things and are still motivated to, to move and explore and do new things. And I want that for me. I don't want to be I don't want to be kind of sitting around inactive and kind of lose what you have physically. It's That's probably the thing that makes me, that my biggest fear about getting old is like losing the physical ability that I've enjoyed for so long. I mean, I know it's going to decline at some point, but I'm going to fight it as long as I can and do what I can to keep as active and do the things that I enjoy doing that are kind of physical tests, you know, like the things I've always enjoyed doing in the past few years have all been things that involve some level of physical exertion, whether it's a race, a run, a hike, a challenging workout, a fitness class with friends. That's something that I, that I really strive to hold on to and preserve as long as I can. Yeah, you should definitely do that. And as long as you can, keep going, man, because you're yeah. doing great. And yeah, yeah, and I love that you mentioned confidence. And this is so valid for anything. Do you have any other insights or tips? on how to boost confidence apart from exercising? Do you have any other tricks? Aside from exercising, that's a great question. I was going to link it to exercising because exercising for me, and I'll try to think of one that's not exercise related, but the one I was thinking of here is exercise is a perfect metaphor for many other things that you're going to do that are going to take you a lot of time and effort and reps. So reps is directly transferable from exercise, right? You do, you have to do thousands of reps to improve, to get better, to see the results, to experience the benefits. And it's the same thing in anything else. I mean, I know that's not a non-fitness related answer, but that to me is the key. It's reps in doing whatever it is that you're going to do, along with the fact that not being afraid to be a beginner, which is pretty hard to do. And I was just writing a post about this the other day. It's like, we see all the people that do well and have like the examples I used in my post. This is a like a little secret insight to my future post that's probably coming out in a couple of days. But we see we see the massive creators that have hundred thousand followers or more. We see the million dollar business. We see the superstar stand up comedian. But what we don't see and that we 
fail to remember is that that Instagram person's first post was to zero followers. That stand-up comedian's first few jokes were to an open mic night in front of 10 people. That million-dollar business had to make its first sale at some point and was talking to nobody when they first started. We don't see those things, but thinking back to those things allows us to kind of accept the fact that we're going to start there too. We compare ourselves at our beginning stages to someone else's 10 years ahead and what they've been doing every day, putting reps in for 5, 10, 15 years to get where they are. And we sometimes fail to remember that because we don't see it either. No one is posting that stuff now after they've kind of made it. You know what I mean? It's You have to go back and really check the first thing they wrote, check the first song they sang. And then you can really see that growth takes a really long time. And getting those reps in is really the only thing to get you there and not being afraid to kind of feel foolish the first few times you do it. I mean, it's kind of the only way to do it and to lose that feeling, to, to get past that feeling, you just have to take the action and just kind of, there's no other way to think about it than just, you got to suck it up. It's going to suck, but you have to do it. It's the only way. It's literally the only way. Wonderful advice, man. And yeah, that specific thing, like those reps, no matter what you're starting, as you mentioned, like posting, whatever business you're building, whatever yeah. skill you want to learn, you need to put the reps in and you yeah. need to practice until you become good at it. Think, so, about your think about your podcast. Think about your first ever episode of your podcast. And then after you've done a hundred, you're going to be able to look back and be like, God, I was terrible. I didn't know what to ask. My questions were bad. Like, I didn't know how to keep the conversation. You're going to see things that are going to be like, wow, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am now without doing a hundred episodes of this. I mean, that's just, you're going to see that too. And I see it in what I share in my content and working with clients. That's just the, that's just the nature of doing anything well. Exactly. And yeah, that's a huge boost for confidence indeed, because after putting the reps and even at the beginning, you don't see actual results, but just by being able to stay consistent your confidence will grow. And going on that path on helping others, and how do you actually realize, apart from being questioned about your lifestyle and how you do things, how do you actually realize that you'll go that path of coaching? I mean, I didn't find it. I don't know if this will be kind of like my forever thing. And what I mean by that is like when I was running the fitness studio, I wanted that to be my forever thing. I loved it. I was like, I want, I could do this for the rest of my life and be completely happy. It didn't work out the way I'd planned. And I, I don't know if coaching will turn out the same way, but the way that I came across it, and I don't know that it'll work the same way for everybody. was just, I was kind of doing something I enjoyed. I thought making it interesting to other people and then just answering questions that came my way and following the calls, you know, like people were asking me certain questions, but it necessarily wasn't about the content I was sharing with respect to fitness. It was something else that I hadn't thought of. And just kind of listening to that, listening those to those signs, following the signs, just what was it? Like I could have kept... I could have just been like, yeah, you know, I saved some money. Okay. And then go back to my fitness content. But as those questions started to become more frequent and become louder, it was like, something is telling me something here. I need to kind of try this. And when I was, and when I kept listening and following those signs, I was like, hey, I just kind of raised my hand. I was like, I'm going to, I'd like to help a couple people do this. Does anybody interested? And this was in September of 2021. So a year and a half ago, right off the bat, I had two guys were like, we're interested. When are you, 
what's the deal? Tell me when you're ready to go and we'll, and we'll be ready. Kind of just following the, those calls, listening to those signs and just doing what I was kind of told, not told, but told, you know, like people were telling me, it was indirectly telling me like, hey, we could use your help here. So listening to those signs was big for me, just kind of paying attention and being open. You know, I wasn't closed off to doing one thing. I was just like, I was considering myself retired. I was just not, I didn't have anything I was building. I wasn't really doing anything like productive, but I was doing something enjoyable and just listening to what others were telling me, just taking in the feedback that I was getting. That's how I kind of got to where I am now. Now, do I know that this will be my thing forever? I don't know. For now, it seems to be going well. And it seems to be, it seems that I'm getting more interest and I'm getting people messaging me and telling me they feel the same. They understand what I'm saying, all this kind of stuff. And those are all positive signs that I'll just continue to follow until I get other ones that are maybe louder or more frequent. That's amazing. And what I see here, it's a pattern. So first, you have that lunch with your friend where you are open to something. And I would love to ask you, how do you manage to do this? Because even there is a pattern, you need to be prepared because luck strikes to everyone, but not everyone is prepared to receive that luck. How do you manage to stay open to opportunities? What I would say holds back a lot of people, probably two things, money, for sure. I mean, I was financially prepared by living a simple lifestyle and not getting caught up in thinking about how much money I made and then what I could do to spend it all. It was very simple. Like a great example of this kind of mentality was the fact that I lived in New York City for 14 years and I had a roommate for 13 of them. I had a roommate up till I was 30, 38. I, when I think about that and I think about the fact that I explored the possibility of buying an apartment and there's a couple of things I hated about the idea of that. One of them was that it would have depleted my savings. I would have had to give away, I would have had to put down a down payment, use all my savings up, and then it would have increased my living expenses by two and a half times. And just by avoiding that purchase itself, I gave my I gave myself over the course of 10 years, like over two years of runway where I could not work for two years and not worry once, not lose an ounce of sleep over not being able to pay my rent. That was critical because that allowed me to not be latched onto this job or this income level. So that was important too. If I would have bought the apartment, I was latched to, to that income level. That means it would be very hard to transition out of that and be new at something where I could take a 50, 60, 70% haircut in my salary because I would panic. I was like, I got to pay this mortgage. I have no savings. I have no cushion. Having cushion is imperative. The other thing I think is just believing that you can do something. Like I think a lot of times if we don't see that someone else has done it, we find it hard to believe that we can do it. Even if we do see people that have done it, we often find it's tough that we could do the same thing. And I think part of that relates back to that idea that we see everyone on social media that is five to 10 years into whatever they're doing and they're really good at it. They build a big audience and they're really polished. But we forget that, again, they started back at zero too and thinking that we don't want to do that. We're 35. I can't look like I don't know what I'm doing at my career. I have this status attached to this job that I've had for 10 years. There's a lot of things that we kind of latch onto that 
that are tough to let go. And for me too, it was really hard to give up. The idea of being an investment banker, I wanted to do that for so long and the prestige that is attached to that role and the almost like the level of respect you got when or the instant approval or social approval you got when you told someone you were an investment bank and they were like, oh, it was like instantly they were impressed. And that's a confidence boost 100%. And I hated to give that up, but I had to if I wanted to do something else. You know, I, you have to kind of break your identity away from whatever you're doing. And it's hard to do that, especially with the fact that a lot of times we've spent years learning this thing that we're doing for work. We spent a ton of money through the university, like to learn these things and to kind of, hang on to those for fear of trying something new it is a mistake in my opinion. And I think we overestimate the short-term comfort of changing, but at the same time, we massively underestimate how long the time is that we have to do something that we don't like if we are unwilling to make this change now, if that makes sense. It, it, we, we varying view of the length of time is imperative to kind of get your head around in order to help you make a change of kind of this magnitude, because this is a massive change. I mean, changing your career is a pretty big thing for a lot of people. A lot of people have spent a lot of time and a lot of money preparing for these careers. But if you find out that you don't like it, what's the cost involved in staying? And the cost is sacrificing this one life we have and not wanting to try something else. I mean, you think about it that way. It's, oh, shit. Yeah. I, it makes it never makes sense to to not try. You have to at least try, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, can you expand a bit more about the simple life aspect of it? And if you're still applying to it, because I know a little secret that you used to travel only with a backpack, which for me that I'm a nomad and I have my suitcase with me all over like my entire life there. I still don't imagine me, myself doing that, but I love to learn from you. How do you manage that? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Spoiler alert, I do have a couple boxes of things at my parents' house. So I don't have, I'm not like just a backpack. Now I can travel for weeks or months or even a year with just that backpack because I keep it very simple with respect to what I wear. I don't acquire a bunch of new things when I'm on the road. And you know what the big thing is that I realized when I was in, I forget what country it was that I was in. But it was one where I didn't need much and there wasn't much around you. I think it was in Southern Africa. It might have been like Botswana or Namibia or something where there's not much around. Your mentality and your view towards what you need just kind of falls off the map completely. And it wasn't until I went back to New York City afterwards where I was like, oh, I got to get this. I need a new this. I need a new that. And it's, it's your environment kind of build some of that around you and kind of forces that on you. I mean, you're bombarded with this stuff daily, right? My environment was a huge thing, but I think the fact that what it could give me, what I could do without all that stuff that I didn't really care about, it, it almost felt burdensome when I thought about, when I left my New York apartment, I had a one bedroom, tiny apartment. The last year that I was in New York, I lived by myself. One year out of 14, I lived by myself. <laughs> So I had a, I had a bed and a table and chairs in my in my apartment. And when I started to think about, oh shit, do I have to put these in storage? Am I gonna drive these down to my parents' house? All this stuff. And I, and then I was just I just had a moment where I was like, just give it away. Do you really need it? Do you really care that much about keeping a mattress? Like think about the mental energy that has been expended already thinking about what you're gonna do with it. And when I gave it away, somebody was like, I so I messaged someone, I put it on a shared site or like a marketplace site and someone's like, oh, I haven't been able to find anything. I'm like, 
if you can come and get this out of my apartment, it's yours. I don't even want any money for it. If you want it and it's going to help you take it, it's going to, it's going to mean so much more to me to get it off my chest than the 200 bucks you're going to give me for it. So I pay you 200 to get it out of here. So it was like thinking about those things and what, now what that meant for me was that I could go literally anywhere in the world. I didn't have to think about what I needed to take and what I needed, what I had and, and what are the things that I would need while I'm traveling. Just you need some clothes, you need some food, you need some water. That's pretty much it. Everything else you can figure out when you're there. But I've really found that when you're there and there's nothing around you, all your needs kind of fall away. It's like depending on exactly where you are, you realize that you don't need that much, especially when you're doing something that you're enjoying. That's a key I thought was like once I started I mean, when I'm touring around Africa, like I'm adventure, doing adventure type stuff, I don't think of anything else. It's, oh man, I could really use a new blender or something. Who gives a shit? It's really when you're back at home and your days are kind of filled, at least for me, when my days were filled with things that I didn't enjoy, that's when I started to think, man, I could really use a new suit or I could really use a new watch or, you know, is those kind of things. But when I'm doing things that I enjoy doing, I wear literally, I have six t-shirts. That's all I wear. I wear I have two pairs of black pants. And I know that if I'm traveling for a week or I'm traveling for a year, I'm only taking the same clothes with me because it's all I have. And I've really enjoyed living that way for a number of years. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's funny. My, my girlfriend just got a job at a clothing company here at, uh, at G-Star, like a massive Dutch denim company. And she's like, she's like, I get all these clothes for free. She's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't want anything. I literally don't want anything. She'll bring something home. She's like, oh, this will look good in you. I'm like, eh, I don't need it. I'm fine. So even having the opportunity to do that, it's just my mindset has completely changed. I can walk into a store. I don't feel anything. I don't feel a compulsion to buy anything. It's just, it's kind of like in my mental, like in my psyche now. It's like I've kind of detached and I feel great about it because I realize now that I don't need the same level of income that I thought I needed. And that is a freeing, that is such a freeing feeling because you can start something new. And as your income level starts to ratchet up, you're not afraid that you have this high hurdle of expenses to cover. I really don't. I really don't have much to pay for. So it's really a nice freeing feeling. And that feeling, that kind of weight being lifted off and taken off, like I never want to go back to that point again. Wow, that's amazing. And I wish that a lot of people can take some notes from here and apply this because not only impact your happiness to not making decision, being stressed about, oh, why should I buy now? Oh, I need to change that or I need that thing and so on. I truly believe that a simple life is a happier life. And you are someone that has successful transition from that complicated corporate life and living in the big city like New York and to more fulfilling and intentional life. And I think our listeners greatly benefit from your insights. So I want to challenge you. It's not a 24-hour challenge. This time okay. is a challenge for you. Okay. <laughs> and create a step-by-step process on spot for others that can follow the steps that you took and achieve a more meaningful and simple life. Of course, you already top in on a few spots, but if you can maybe wrap it up and make a step-by-step process for those listening that can start applying, of course, these things takes probably months, years to apply, yeah, for sure. but I think that would be super useful. Yeah, I can do. So I would say, and coincidentally, this kind of coincides with this dovetails nicely with my coaching program. So it's roughly around three areas, money, 
work, and mindset. So what I'll do is give your listeners three exercises to do, one in each of those buckets that they can do right now. They can do this week that will help them kind of at least get the wheels in motion to thinking about what they can do now to help them prepare to leave their job. So money, what I would recommend is going into your bank statements or your credit card or your debit card, downloading the last three months of expenses, figuring out what you've spent each month, seeing what that level is at. What I'd like you to do now where it's to kind of help you prepare to trim those expenses to help build your runway, I want you to identify, I want your listeners to identify two to three things, let's say two to four things, which I would call happy spends, things that they buy that actually bring them joy that they can feel instantly. So it could be small. It could be like, look, I'm not going to, I'm going to buy a cup of coffee daily. I love it. It makes me happy. Fine. Keep it on there. You're not going to touch it. You're always going to spend that money. Maybe it's your favorite fitness class. Maybe it's a gym membership. Maybe it's a monthly massage, whatever it is for you, figure out what those three things are. And then I want you to review everything else and be ruthless in cutting what you're spending on, whether it's subscriptions or eating out or alcohol, which was a huge one for me that I spent so much money on, wasted money, and figure out where you can cut and get yourself to a new monthly spend target, a reasonable monthly spend target to help you kind of pad your savings. Because the goal here that I share with clients is to, if you can get yourself to six months of expenses saved in your bank, that is career changing. That is life changing because you have options now. You don't need that paycheck for six months, you have time to do something else. Not saying that as soon as you get that, you should go quit, but it gives you options. So that's one. That's the money part. The second part, I would say, is the work part. So there's two components here that I want people to try, which I think helps get the juices going. The first one is I want you to go back to every and write down every single job you've ever had. Now I'm talking about everything. I went back as far as my first job in high school because one of the skills that I realized that I had I really learned it then when I was 15 years old. And that was, I could connect with people pretty quickly. I worked at a, I worked at a local meat market slicing lunch meat. And you only have like 90 second interactions with people. But I was able to connect pretty well with people at that age in that short amount of time. And that has been a skill that I've been able to improve and use every day of my life. And I didn't know I had it until I went back and reviewed all my jobs and see where it came from. So that's step number one. That's part, I would say that's part A of this one. Part B, call your best friend, ask them what lights you up. So everybody has something that when they talk about it or they're reading about it, they're doing it, it's just your whole physiology changes. Your face lights up, you stand taller, you're more confident, you feel like you could talk about this thing for hours. What is that thing? And if you don't know, your best friend will absolutely know. So call them and ask them. Plus, it's just friend, it's just fun to chat with your best friend, at least for me. So those two things I help, I think if you start to focus around the intersection of those two things, you can find something that you may be able to offer as your kind of thing that you want to do after corporate. The third one, mindset, is an exercise that I borrowed from, I heard on the Tim Ferriss podcast years ago from a woman named Debbie Millman. And she got it from a teacher that would ask every one of their students to fast forward 10 years from today's date and write out what your ideal day would be for you. And I used to run an email challenge where it was 21 days of like new things to start off the year. 
this exercise was everyone's favorite because it's not something that you would normally think to do. Write down your ideal day, where you are, who you're with, what you do in your day, what you see, what you smell, everything. Write down everything you can possibly think of and using as much sensory detail as you can to start getting you thinking about what you want your days to look like. And those are three things that people can do. I mean, you can do these before the weekend and it will at least get you thinking about, hey, what can you build for yourself while still at your job? You don't have to leave your job yet, but this gives you a nice head start to kind of, I just think it gets the wheels moving, gets the wheels turning, you know, and at least seeing something, seeing action being taken towards something and seeing progress, that is pretty addicting and helps at least keep me going, you know. Thank you so much. That's not only brilliant, but so practical. And I actually went through the first step recently when it comes to my business. I had so many freaking subscriptions, like to a lot of tools, a lot of things that I barely touch. Sometimes I use them, sometimes I don't. And I was able to save an enormous amount of money a a month. And yeah, doing that on everything related from business to life is just, is given that cushion that you mentioned. Six months of having like savings, you have freedom of thinking, you have freedom of action without worrying of, oh, where the next, I don't know money or paycheck is coming from. And that's huge. And yeah, all the others are like wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing that. Of course, of course. And if you are still at sharing, I will pick up your brain now. (laughs) Go for it, man. That's why I'm here. So can you share at least top three values that guide you through your journey so far? Yeah, for sure. My biggest one now that has really changed, I would say over the past 10 years, because maybe even longer, I say that because if you asked me if you ask me at 25 about about time and as morbid as it sounds to say it, mortality and just the idea that our time is going to run out. So I've gotten much more protective of how I spend my time and who I want to spend it with, what things, how things affect my energy. I know certain things that I used to, I don't like anymore. So I don't do them. I don't want to, I don't want to not listen to my body and my mind and do things that I know I'm not going to enjoy. So I won't do them anymore. And a simple one, a simple, very simple example is like going out at night. I just don't like it anymore. At 25, I used to go out every weekend and I knew I loved it then, but now at 42, I don't like it anymore. So I don't do it. And because it affects my next day, it affects my mental state, it affects my physical state. So I just, that's one of those things is that I value my time too much that I don't want to waste it doing that anymore. So Time is one for sure. Another, that's a great question. What else in my values? One of my values is, and it came from the fact that honestly, I just didn't want to be told what to do anymore. I just did not want to be told what to do anymore. So flexibility has been another one. If there's something that's going to tie me to something, whether it's a time commitment, a location or something, there's always a part of me that kind of pulls away from that. So flexibility has been one that's kind of driving me for a lot of different things. Again, I'm 42. I don't have a house. I don't own a car. I don't own certain things that I think many people would think to be like normal or expected at this age. And my girlfriend and I have talked about this, like, where do we want to be? What are our goals for the next upcoming years? And she's, she works a corporate job. She's just starting her career and she's, she's kind of a client. She listens. She knows what I'm. She knows what I'm saying, and she listens. And I hear her ask questions about things that I've said, and I'm like, ah, okay, she is listening. So we've talked about that. Like, what are the things we value? Having a little more flexibility too. So 
that's been really one that's really stuck with me. I also think it's something about, I'm not sure the right way to kind of phrase this, but it's like it's work related. And I truly feel that if you are doing a job only for money, for no other reason to earn a paycheck, you will absolutely tire of that job. I don't know when it'll happen. It's not a question of if it, it will happen. You just you will you'll realize it at some point. It may come at twenty six. It may come at forty. It will happen though. And at that point, I think it's important to lean on something that you are curious about. So I try to follow a curiosity, and I value curiosity. And it's like thinking about things that I want to continually dig and learn more about and keep going. So for instance, like I can sit and do work and read about this kind of stuff, like our relationship with work and ways to be better with money. And I can read about that stuff all day. So if someone wants to be a coach and they don't like doing that stuff, they have to force themselves to do that stuff. They won't, chances are they won't beat me at it. They won't be able to get clients over me because I just enjoy doing it and I'll do it 24 hours a day. I think it's important to find something that you have that curiosity about. And I realized it at a pretty early point in my career that I didn't have it for my career. So that again was, that was like an eye opening moment for me where I'm like, I'm never going to beat this guy because I don't want to read about this stuff like he does. I don't have a curiosity to learn more about it. And so that is something that I constantly think about and pay attention to. Like, what, what do I enjoy? And because if I enjoy doing it with no other external motivation, those are the things I'm going to do and I'm going to get good at and I'm going to want to continue to learn about. So I think I would say, so I had to sum that all up. That was a lot of time, flexibility, freedom, whatever you want to call it, and curiosity. I think those are three pretty important things, at least for me at this point, at this stage in my life. Yeah, I love them, man. Thank you so much and sure. for sharing those. And can we expand a bit more on flexibility and especially related to the lifestyle that you have? Like you travel a lot, you explore a lot of places. That helps a lot. And how do you go about it when you decide your next destination or how long you stay there? Especially now because your girlfriend will have a full-time job. How do you yeah. guys plan to do that? Yeah, so... We on a time frame, we've basically decided that like anywhere from I would say six to eight weeks is kind of the max at this point. Where it's if you go any further, if you go apart, if you're apart for that much longer, it gets really hard. And the reason we know that is because I used to I didn't have a visa to stay in Europe, so I had to abide by the Schengen zone rules. So as an American, I can come to Europe for thirty days, or I'm sorry, ninety days. But then I have to leave for 90 because you can only stay here without a visa for 90 of every 180 days. I think I think Romania is in the Schengen zone too, I'm pretty sure. So I could go anywhere in Europe if I'm here for three months, but I had to leave for three months. So we found that three months was a pretty – it got pretty tough a couple times. We've done it, I think, three times. And each one got a little easier maybe, but they were still pretty hard. So we're like – and I told her, I was like, look, I know you have a job. I know you have to be somewhere. But I don't, and I don't want to lose this flexibility that I kind of worked so hard to build for myself. I don't want to lose that. So she understands that. And she's, look, as long as we don't do three months apart again, I'm okay. So I just went to Morocco last month for a month, and it was fine. I got to kind of explore a new area, a new land, a new culture. I still worked pretty much every day. There was a few days where I didn't do anything, but for the most part, I worked every day. I usually do 
mornings I work and then the afternoons I leave open for exercise, for ex- exploration, for some kind of activity that's fun or helps me learn a little more about the culture and the people. But the destination, like where I want to go, it's kind of just, I ask people like what looks interesting. If I've seen things on social media, I'm like, oh, I really want to go there and check it out. I'll, I'll book something. But yeah, so that's been like, it's something that I really was very clear about that I don't want to lose. Like I don't want to go into a situation where I can't leave and I can't be independent and I can't go explore and really take advantage of the lifestyle that I've worked hard to build for myself that I've wanted for a number of years. And then after I left the corporate world and after we closed the studio, I really was able to take advantage of, I didn't want to lose that. So that was part of like how we came to that agreement. And it's worked out. It's worked out well. I like the idea that like we can go travel and we can do things separately because I mean, I don't know about you, but it brings new energy. It brings fresh energy into the relationship. It's a lot harder when you're spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week together, which we did during the lockdown like three years ago, which was could have went better, but we're still together. So it worked. But I mean, it's it, it brings new energy and brings new life. And we've enjoyed it. We've been fine with it. I mean, I hope we get to a point now where she can go with me and we can go do these things for weeks at a time together, I think would be really cool. So we're working towards that. But yeah, that's kind of how I got to what I do now in terms of my travel and my exploration. It's really just when I needed something, I needed to go kind of take a break. Like when we settled in Amsterdam, my plan was to just work for six to eight months because I had been traveling for a bunch before and I kind of let some things go business-wise that I really wanted to focus on. So when the Morocco opportunity or thought came into my head, I was like, yeah, I'm going to take this. I need to go out and kind of take a break from my normal routine. That's kind of how I do it. Just kind of whenever I feel like I need it. I would say I would do it. And that's the first one I've done since we've been here a year today. <laughs> so it was nice to get out and do that. Yeah, I can bet. And always exploring a new culture, a new location, it's fulfilling. Yeah, and you learn new things, yeah. you open your mind. And it's so wonderful. It's one of the reasons why I do this constantly. And speaking of, because you mentioned at some point that you, the work part, that you work as well when you travel, can you share a bit of insights on how do you get clients? Since it's one of the biggest problem of all of those that are solopreneurs or self-employed, getting those clients on the door. Yeah, probably the, the, so I've been using Instagram and using Instagram was my first kind of my first method. And now I've recently been on LinkedIn where we connected. I recently got on LinkedIn just a few months ago, but I think it's really finding out what are the problems that your clients are facing and how closely related you are to them. So I think it's slightly, I'm at a slight advantage because I'm actually doing it. I've done that thing. I've, I was client number one. Like I got myself out of it. So I can really understand and recall what I was going through and what were the feelings I had. And I can share that stuff in my content and sharing stories through my content is like of people that are where I was 10 years ago and kind of, it's almost back to that point I mentioned earlier. It's like seeing that someone else has done the thing you want to do and is helping other people do it. I think that's a, that's an advantage that I have. I know there, you see other people, if like, they're not, if they're like writers or other kind of, services they're offering and it's they can still do it but i think there's an advantage to be had that if you are your if you were your first client if you were kind of to figure this out on your own type of thing and then you want to help other people do it in a faster way or a better way using your experience and your hindsight i think you have a slight advantage there and what has helped me is kind of just been thinking of the top 
things that my ideal clients would struggle with. So like, for example, I think they may not have enough money. They may have expense levels that are too high. They may have no idea what they want to do for work, or they may have a hundred ideas and they don't know where to focus. So thinking about things that would kind of keep them where they are, what those things are and how they manifest in the rest of their lives. I mean, and being able to demonstrate that you've had the same things and that you can help them. And here's what helped you. I also like to take that approach. It's like, I never like to say you should do this or you should do that. It's I like to reframe it as I tried this. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't. And it's, I like to come from a position of here's some things that you can try that I did take with it. Take what you want from it, discard the rest, but I never like to get into the voice where it's, you should do this. I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their life. I'm just telling people how I lived mine and how I live mine. And if that's appealing for you, and if you could use help doing it, I'm the person that could help you. I know I don't know that my ways are and It's not right for many people. It may not be right for me at some point. Who knows? But sharing what I've learned and what and what's worked for me and what hasn't, I think has been like, it helps you be relatable. You may not have the same exact experience as somebody, but they can draw on some experience they had that made them feel a certain way. It's like a movie. You never have the same exact experience as a character in a movie, but you get emotional pull from it because you can connect it to how it's played out in your life or a time in your life when you felt the same way. It's like you're trying to do the same thing building connections by sharing your personal insight and your story and giving people the idea that, yeah, they can do the same thing you did. Awesome, man. Humans relate to humans. And the fact that you target your past self, I think that's the best niche ever. Like literally you months or years ago, you know how you deal with every single problem that you face and you can share that. And I love your approach. Because it's always dangerous to actually tell someone, do this, it's the only way, it's the perfect way. Yeah. And your approach is amazing to literally guide and let them make the right decision. And speaking of that, if someone from our listeners want to get in touch with you, how, how they can find I'm on, my website is simplemanguide.com. So it's G-U-I-D-E, simplemanguide.com. I'm also on Instagram under the same handle. And you can find me on LinkedIn just through my name, Brian Gallagher. And that, yeah, that's the main ways. You can book calls. I have a free ebook that kind of lays out the 25 steps I would take if I had to go through this process again. And it's free. Just go and you can go on my site and download it. But yeah, that's kind of how I, I help people. And then if there's more things that they need help with, I can work with people one-on-one through my four-month coaching program, which I call my corporate escape accelerator. And there's one-on-one calls, there's a there's group calls, there's a Slack channel, there's access to an online course. And that's kind of how I help people do that. Do that thing now, you know, get out of what they're what they feel what they're feeling trapped in and give them the flexibility that they want. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. And for those listening, I'll put the links in the show notes as well for easy access. And yeah, that was amazing, man. Thank you so much for sharing all of those of golden nuggets with us. And before wrapping up, I know that you put pleasure, man. I know that you prepared a 24-hour challenge for our listeners to wrap up. So here's something that I would suggest people do. And this is something I just shared with somebody yesterday. Think about what you enjoy doing and then find someone who's doing the same thing you would like to do, whether that's a an influencer on Instagram or a business person that you know, or like a friend or a family member, the way I think about it is hop onto LinkedIn, find a creator who's doing what you want and emulate them. Follow exactly what they're doing. See how they structure their content. 
identify who their ideal customer is. And then I would suggest you think of the three things that you can write about similar to what they're doing, but with your own experience tied in. So if you can think of those three things, you don't have to share it. I don't think it's anything you have to share. But if you could look at your creator, find out what it is you want to do, and then just think of three things that you can write about yourself, write them, or just do one. You can think of three, but write one. Don't share it. And then just kind of follow, continue to follow that creator. And eventually, I think at one point, you can start to throw in your own insight, start to engage with their content, start to see who's around their content. And start to throw yourself in the mix. I mean, being able to do that and add insightful comments and add your experience will help people kind of understand who you are. And maybe you have some similar experiences, people. You can start to connect with other creators and other people going through the same issues as you. But really building that network and understanding what you can do and by using someone else as a guide. Nothing that you have to create or going to create has to be 100% brand new and novel. Most of the time, it's not going to be. It's going to be something that someone else has done that you put your own twist on. Then there's never a fear of market saturation. It's like, yeah, I do, I'm a coach, but I have I use this experience and I did this thing. These are my skills. These are my interests. And no one else is going to have the same exact intersection that I have. That's perfect. And yeah, topic into other audiences like that, it's just a wonderful way to get started and get noticed because starting from zero, wherever you want to share, it's just hard. It's hard. I love that tip. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. Of course. Uh, wow. This was wonderful. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check the show notes where you'll find direct links to the tools and resources mentioned in this episode and much more. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast station to not miss when we drop the next one. We have lots of exciting guests and surprises for you coming up. This is your host, Gabe Marushka, with the Nomad Solopreneur Show. Until next week, Pura Vida!